The following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. All right. Good morning, church. Good morning. Um, Great scripture reading. My wife. Thank you. Um, Love you. Again, for those of you that um, I haven't met yet, my name is Kyle. I'm the youth minister and digital minister here at Fathom. Um, Really excited to be up here and get the opportunity to talk um, about our next section in Matthew. So get out your Bibles. Um, If you're here and you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles under your seat. Uh, Open those up to Matthew chapter 10. If you're online with us, you can click the little Bible um, section there. Uh, Open up your Bibles, Matthew chapter 10. We want you to see this text, Uh, whether it's a phone or tablet, just get it open and get ready. Uh, Matthew chapter 10. And while you're turning there, you know, the last time I was up here was actually the first Sunday in January. So it's been a little while. Um, But back then, I remember talking to you a little bit about my son, Austin, who is now almost five years old and how everything was about fighting to him. Okay. Everything was about fighting to him. Everything wanted to fight. Um, It was always who would win between this guy and this guy or this animal, this animal, This superhero versus that superhero. I would always get when I come home him saying, let's fight, dad, or let's wrestle. Let's let's go, dad. And um, a little update about that. Not much has changed. Um, He is still the same old kid in that regard. And actually, if anything, um, it's escalated from that. Lately, instead of instead of getting a warning like let's fight, dad, I haven't been getting any warning at all. Okay, for anything like, for example, and this happened yesterday, laying on the couch next to him. I'm relaxed. We're both watching a show when all of a sudden smack, he just smacks me right in the stomach. I'm like, no warning at all. Like, thanks, man. Really appreciate that. Um, and then also, I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting something out of the refrigerator. I've got both doors open. I'm looking for a snack. And all of a sudden, just boom, it'll just come up and punch me like right in the side. No warning at all. Um, and even just like just the other day, something as simple as getting my shoes out of the closet. I was bending down to get my shoes out of the closet. And out of nowhere, he comes and jumps on my back, scares me half to death. No warning at all. I've, I've had to consistently start saying to him, hey, bud, you've got to warn me about these things. Like you're too sneaky now. He's getting way too sneaky. And um, I don't know about you church, but I like to be prepared with things. Okay. I like, I like to be ready for things, especially if there's um, something, something dangerous or something serious coming up. I like to be warned so I can be ready. And in this next section, we're going to go through in Matthew gives us exactly that. Jesus gives us a warning, those who are in Christ on how we need to be ready Okay, how we need to be ready to fight. All right, so the last few months, Pastor Chris has been um, giving his sermons these little cute, little catchy titles to his sermons. I don't know if you've noticed, but I thought I'm up here with a face mic, like he would say, so why can't I? So I'm going to. Um, so today, I'm going to jump on that train too, and I'm calling this sermon, Let's Get Ready to Rumble. Okay, and maybe you said it like I did in my head. Let's get ready to rumble. Maybe not. Because as Jesus is now sending out his closest friends on mission, and how he's sending us out on mission as well to share the good news of the gospel message today, he warns us of a fight that's coming. Okay, he wants us to be ready, and not just be ready, but he also wants us to know how to respond in that fight. Okay, and I mean, if Jesus is warning us about something, we should probably pay attention 
to it. So uh, before we jump into the text, I want to just remind us where we're at in chapter 10 in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, last week, Chris talked to us about mission, Jesus, how, how Jesus sent out his disciples and his followers to the Jews first to evangelize, if you remember from last week, to run the race Run with the race with authority, run with a crew, run where you're at, okay? Jesus called us believers to dig deep and reach wide. That's what we're about here at Fathom. Now, last week's section um, is is kind of the same as this. Uh, This week is about evangelism and missions as well. But last week, Jesus called his disciples to go to the Jews first. In this section, he's calling them more to a universal mission, Okay, he's sending them out to the Gentiles, to the rest of the world, to the ends of the earth. And he's highlighting this. He's kind of saying, okay, this is not just for those who believe in me now. All right, this is for everybody. So let's tell everybody. And remember, church, from last week, you are the plan. You are God's plan to share the love of Christ to those in your life, where you work, where you go to school, where you work and play. But if you didn't know this already... Like this plan doesn't come wrapped up in a pretty little bow, right? This mission doesn't come easy like the first round of the playoffs for the avalanche, right? It's more like the Rocky season, okay? Yeah, it's tough. It, it, is, it is rough and it's going to be rough. This mission of being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in a broken and sinful world is not going to be easy. And in fact, Jesus promises us What we're going to read, he promises us that we are in for a fight. So let's get ready to rumble, church. Let's uh, let's start reading. Open up your Bibles, Matthew chapter 10. We're going to start at verse 16 that was read a little bit ago. Verse 16. It says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. So first here, we have Jesus speaking here right after he has charged his disciples to go amongst the Jews, right? Healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing lepers, casting out demons, all that sort of stuff. And now we get to the verse that every Christian parent likes to pray over their kid as they go to public school, right? I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Joking a little bit, but not really. We have a public school kid in the fall coming up. So I'll be praying that verse over him for sure. Uh, But let's break this down a little bit, because even before we get to the sheep and the wolves part, okay, there's some good stuff. Jesus says here to his disciples, I am sending you out. Now, I don't want to skip over just those few words. We have the present tense of sending them out, okay, meaning that we as followers of Christ here today in 2021 in Littleton, Colorado, we can read this knowing that Jesus is speaking to us right now. That is relevant for us right now. Like, I'm sending you out, Kyle, into Littleton. I'm sending you out right now. I'm sending you out as you're reading this. It's a reminder to us every single time we read this, that this mission is an ongoing thing. This mission that we talked about last week of your life, Christian, your life going out is an ongoing thing. Jesus, I mean, his disciples watched Jesus say these words, and then 2,000 plus years later, it's now as well. This is a now thing. And we'll get a little bit of a reminder of that towards the end. But so Jesus is saying, I'm sending them out. I'm, he's sending us out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. So after Jesus says he's sending them out, now he tells them what, he's go- what everybody's going to face. 
what they're going to face out there as followers of him, which is not pretty, okay? They are like sheep. And this is not the first time that they're referenced as sheep. If you even remember just one chapter back in chapter nine, it says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They were like sheep going into a world, even beyond the Jews at this point, into a land of wolves. We are sheep sent out to a world of wolves. And hey, if you don't see how that's a bad thing, go flip on your TV after church and go to like uh, Planet Earth or dis- the Discovery Channel, okay? Find the one about the food chain and tell me that sheep aren't in a bad situation, okay? Sheep are in a, in a rough situation. I, I, and, and this is just kind of a little bit of a warning if you have little ones before you flip on one of those shows. I know this from experience. You've got like more than a 50-50 chance of seeing something eat something else like right away scarring your kids for life, okay? So there's a warning from me. Jesus is letting them know this is how it's going to be, okay? It's gonna be dangerous out there. You are definitely not on the top of the food chain if you follow me. That's what Jesus is saying. You will be the ones that everyone is gunning for. So just so you know, you have people that are waiting to tear you apart, waiting to devour you, And Peter even reminds us of this in 1 Peter 5, 8, of of that danger. And he says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So whether it's lions or wolves, it's, it's not the best situation, right? It's going to be hard. It's not going to be easy. We are sheep in the midst of wolves. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Now, after Jesus promises that things are not going to be easy, okay, saying that there will be persecution, there will be adversity, there will be problems and suffering because you are choosing to follow me, here is how I want you to respond, okay? Here is how I want you to react to that. Okay, and I want to spend some time dissecting how Jesus wants us to react to this persecution. When, when things are not going our way, because of who we follow, because of who we believe in. Jesus says this, be wise as serpents. Okay, now Christians, most of the time when we hear that word serpents, we think of that serpent from the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3, 1, where it was described, that serpent was described as the most crafty of all animals. Okay, now does that mean we are called to be a liar, to be deceitful, to be sneaky in that sense? No. No, but Jesus is telling us to be wise, be smart, be carefully calculated in our response to what we are going to face in the persecution that we will receive because of him. Jesus is calling for our behavior to persecution to be that which will represent the gospel in such a way as to bring people to God without provoking them, not push them farther away. So church, don't allow your response to things to be a deterrent for those who need to hear the gospel from you. So be wise as serpents, he says. And on the flip side of that, Jesus says also, be innocent as doves. Okay, now, does that mean we should just lay down in the face of persecution, that we should just let people trample all over us, not stand up for what we believe in? Of course not, But it means that our response to this should be gentle, should be kind, should be loving. 
And so let me make my first point here with, with how I believe Jesus is calling us to be ready to rumble when persecution comes our way. I believe that God wants us to be both hungry and humble. Hungry and humble. In the face of getting hate for being a Christian, God wants us to get after it. He wants us to stand up for, he wants us to be hungry, but wise and calculated. He has given us his authority. We know that from the last few weeks in reading Matthew, he's given us that authority, but he he wants us to have a response, but he wants us to be smart about that response. He wants us to be humble, but not, not, not just be hungry, but he also wants us to be humble, to be humble in character to be innocent and kind and loving. We need to be both of these things, church, when persecution comes our way, being both hungry and humble. Well, you know, I was, I was kind when I saw that Facebook post that was attacking Christians and everything like that. I was really kind because I didn't say anything, even though I really wanted to say something. I was thinking it in my head. Awesome, way to go. Good for you, but what about that similar conversation you then had later that day with a friend who was also kind of just blaming Christians for the way the, the world is, and you, and you blew up at that person, and you blew up, and you treated your friend terribly. What about that time? Well, I, I posted this really nice, loving, inclusive Bible verse on my Instagram. That way my like non-Christian friends could know that, oh, this, this person loves everyone. And, and I, I know where they stand. Awesome. Gold star for you. Way to go. But what about that time where you were talking to your neighbor who was saying some, some of those same things about Christians and, and you just kind of went off on them saying, you, you can't judge me. We can't be one or the other. Jesus tells us our response to hate that we are promised to receive for loving and following him in this world is to be both wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. So let's go on um, in Matthew. Let's look at verse 17 and 18. Verse 17, beware of men for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. Now here we have Jesus reiterating again that this message is now for both Jews and Gentiles, okay? And his example of persecution here for both when he says, hey, they will deliver you over, uh, they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues. That is something the Jews would have understood, Okay. And then he goes on to say, yeah, but you will also be dragged before your governors and kings for my sake. Again, an example that the Gentiles would have understood. But even though Jesus again talks about the bad that is coming their way, he reminds them and he reminds us what this is all for. To bear, second half of 18, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. All of this. All of this hate you will receive for loving me, all of this rejection and persecution that you'll be going through, uh, that you're going to be receiving from the world because of me is to bear witness, to share the gospel message, to show my love, to show them more of me. That's what Jesus is saying. And we know that, we know that verse in Acts chapter 1 you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. All of this is to share more of me. 
Jesus is promising them that he will turn any situation around as an opportunity for the gospel. Have you been there, church? Have you, have you, have you been there in a situation of just hurt, persecution, and, and, and pain, or just things not going the way you want it to go because of what you believe in? And then have you ever just like sat in that moment and said like, oh, you know, Jesus is going to use this for good. I know, rarely me too, okay? If I'm honest, that is one of the hardest things to think about, um, hardest things to know what God is going to do in this situation of pain and hurt when you're neck deep in it. That is hard, but Christ promises us at these times, these times that are coming, they will hurt. But through our steadfast faith and perseverance, we will be witnesses to the rest of the world of what Christ is doing in us and through us. That is a promise, church. So if you're in that right now, know what Jesus promises is gonna come out of that. So let's keep going and let's hear a little, uh, some more promise that Jesus gives us in the face of hate and persecution that we are going to receive when following him. Verses 19 and 20. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak, or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Jesus starts this next section of what our response should be um, as sheep in the midst of wolves. when We're set out into this world by saying, when they deliver you over, again, when they do, not if, but when they do, Jesus is saying, if you go out on mission, which again, Christian, remember, that is your life, your mission. You will face opposition. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. I don't know if, um, for, I don't know if you know um, what the Enneagram is. Anybody? Yeah, I see some head nods. If you're under 40, you know what the Enneagram is? Okay, sorry. But it's, this is like the new, uh, the new hip personality test. Okay, new-ish. I mean, it, it really was like founded in like 1915. So it's new-ish. It's one of those things that really just became popular over the last couple of years as people have been really getting into it. But it's a nine-point geometric model Nine-point geometric model to help identify different personality types, okay? Now, for those of you that know what it is, that is a very simple way of saying it, all right? I know it's deeper than that. I get it. But I got to be honest with you. I hate personality tests. I don't know if you're, if you're one of those people, but I hate it. I hate answering a few questions and then this thing telling me who I am or how I'm supposed to react to things. Or this is like, this is like what makes you tick, pretty much, um, but I also got to be honest with you, I really like this one. I actually really like the Enneagram, and I've kind of gotten into it over this past year. I've enjoyed like diving deeper into it, learning that it's not just a personality test. Um, it's really great for learning like how you best communicate with others, how other people of other personality types best communicate with you, um, how you best respond to things in difficult situations or in what situations you best thrive in, those sorts of things. It's really been eye-opening for me, and I've kind of liked it. Even this past year, me and my wife have really enjoyed diving into it more. Uh, the men's cohort here at, at Fathom that we started quite a few months ago now, our first book was about the Enneagram. It's, it's a really great tool 
to help you grow as a person, okay? It's not the be-all, end-all, I get that, but it's an interesting and fun tool. Now, in full disclosure, I'm a nine on the Enneagram, Okay, I'm a nine. I heard a woo shout out. Yes. And um, again, for those who know what that means, you, like, you, you get it. Everybody else is like, you're a number. Awesome. You're nine. That's really cool. Um, a nine means that the title they have for nine is peacemaker. Okay. So I am the peacemaker. So definitely writing a sermon on fighting and being ready for conflict really suits me well. Um, it's great. But one of the main staples to a nine on the Enneagram is, you guessed it, we like peace. Okay, peacemaker, we like peace. I like my peace. I like when others are peaceful around me. Okay, I like to try to create peace. My, 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 my wife and my kids know that dad needs his peace and quiet, right? I don't like conflict. I hate conflict. I like to avoid conflict at all times. It just makes my skin crawl when I have to be in conflict. If I'm put in a situation where there is people arguing or conflict, I hate it because I have no idea what to say. Like, I have no idea. I don't have a script for it. I have no idea what to say because I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Therefore, choosing sides, causing more conflict, I, I hate it. I think about all these things all the time. I wish so bad that there was a script for people like me going into conflict of just exactly what to say that would make things so much easier. But these two verses here in Matthew actually give me more peace, Okay. Jesus says, don't be anxious with how you will speak or what you will speak when those tough situations come to you. Well, it's easy for you to say, Jesus. I mean, why should I not be freaking out when someone attacks me for being a Christian and my beliefs? Why should I not just curl up into a ball of just worry and anxiety or just or run away from the situation altogether? For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, thank goodness, but the spirit of your father, the Holy Spirit, speaking through you. In the face of persecution, in the face of hate and ridicule, Jesus reminds us, those who are in Christ, hey, remember, my spirit is within you. And as my first point was that we need to remember to be both hungry and humble in order to get ready to rumble, right? You'll remember that. Get ready for the fight. My second point is this. Remember the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is within you. And not only is the Spirit of God within you, he will speak for you. You will have the right things to say at those moments, Because he will give you the right words to say in those moments. Church, I think as believers, those of us who are in Christ, I think sometimes we forget that currently, right now, we are filled with his spirit. Okay, and I think that some of us, yes, we know that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. We we get that, but we I think we forget that he is fighting for us, that he is there ready ready to fight on our behalf, ready to give us the right words to say. So we just need a reminder for that. We need to remember that the spirit of God is active in our lives right now. Christian, we need to remember that the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon us isn't just a one and done thing that happens when we're saved and when we're we're born again, when we accept Christ as as our savior, we choose to follow him. This is not just a one and done thing It's an ongoing, active relationship that is promised to us and to be our right words when we need them. Jesus promises that if we follow him, 
We will be in an ongoing fight against hatred towards us. So wouldn't it be a good thing to have an ongoing manifestation of God within us already backing us up in the Holy Spirit? So just as I'm an Enneagram nine and I hate to be in conflict, I would hate to be in an argument because I don't know what to say. I don't want to say the wrong things. It freaks me out. I can have peace knowing that I don't have to worry about what to say in those situations. I've got the spirit in me speaking through me, and that gives me the peace that I need deep down inside. Listen, whatever comes next, whatever comes next, I know that I can have that peace that he will speak for me. Okay, let's go ahead and and let's look at the next verse, verse 21. Verse 21 and 22, it says, Brother will deliver brother over to death and the father his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated for all, hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. That is harsh right there, okay? These are harsh verses, but hear me, it's true. It's true. I think Jesus is saying right here, hey, if you didn't hear me the first time that you're going out amidst the wolves, and you will face pain and trouble and persecution for following me just to make sure you know the severity of this. The opposition isn't just going to be from the world or strangers you pass on the street or people commenting hateful things on the internet. Okay, this will even hit closer to home. Brother will deliver brother over to death and the father his child and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And now you have to understand in the first century, the family, the nuclear family unit was way tighter than it is today. Way tighter. So Jesus now talking about this persecution and hate and pain that will come from actual family members that hit differently for them back then, right? Especially for those who, who chose, who came from a family that didn't follow Christ, but they chose to follow Christ In that time, professor and theologian D.A. Carson, he puts it this way in his book when Jesus confronts the world by saying, conversion would bring shame on the family. And in a shame-based culture, this would be deemed betrayal. Now, maybe you have a family that also believes in Jesus like you do, so maybe these words don't hold that much weight. Hey, I am super blessed to have an amazing family of Christ followers, but others don't. Others don't, and this might be the hatred they face every single day. Many Christians back then and even today experience their own family rejecting them for following Christ. And my question to you today, church, is even if your family is is full of believers of following Christ, would it be worth that? If, If this would happen to you, that your closest family your brother, sister, mom, dad, child rejected you for following Christ, would it be worth it? Would it be worth it? Would it be worth calling Jesus Christ your your king and savior if it meant that you lost the closest people to you? Would it be worth it? Verse 22, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. You know, the reality with this church, the reality of choosing to follow Christ with your entire life, and this is my last point, is you will be hated. 
You will be hated. The world hates you right now for choosing to put your life in Christ. And listen, church, you know, you will be hated for your stance on certain things and your belief about certain things. Right? You will be hated for believing in hell, a literal hell like the Bible talks about. You'll be hated by that because some people don't want to hear that. You'll be hated for your belief and stance in gay marriage. You'll be hated for believing that there's only one way to eternal life, and that's through Jesus Christ, because that is not a popular stance. You'll be hated for this. But hear me on this. You know what that doesn't mean? Being hated for these things doesn't mean you get to be a jerk. It, it doesn't mean you get to be a jerk. It does, this doesn't mean that being hated means that you get to hate back. That you should return hate with more hate. Okay, I'll be honest, church, oh, like over this last year or so, um, just, just seeing the way a lot of Christians have responded to certain things that have been going on with hate and anger, I just feel like has been completely the wrong way to, to respond. I've seen way too much anger and hate and frankly, just Christians being jerks to others just to, just to have a response, just to kind of just call, call somebody out. It's not the right thing we should be doing. We should be thinking more wisely about our response to hate and be careful with our words. And listen, I think that's, that's really might be the only thing some of us might need to hear today is that you will be hated, but don't hate back. Stop responding to hate and evil that you might be receiving because you are following Jesus with more hate and evil just to defend Christ, just to make a point. Listen, a couple weeks ago, Chris said this, that, hey, this is not the popular thing to do. Okay, being a Christian is not getting more popular. You will be hated by the world for loving Jesus. Hey, we see this a lot in churches nowadays who are trying to make Christianity cool, right? Trying to make going to church the cool thing to do, trying to make it hip and popular. And listen, I came from a generation where they, they did this all the try, time, trying to make church cool and not be hated. When you try to, they, they would try to make it like so attracted to the younger generation because they were so afraid that kids wouldn't think that the real Jesus was cool enough to follow. So they would do everything they could to make it all seem cool and hip. And hey, churches still do this today, but, but hear me, church. If you stand for Christ, if you stand up and fight for Jesus, if you stand for those things that you believe Jesus say are right and wrong, if we stood on truth and gospel and grace, listen, we will be hated. Hey, if we're doing this thing right, we will be hated by the world. Okay, the minute we try to avoid being hated because it's not the popular thing to do or because somebody else said it's not the cool thing to do is the minute that we fail in our mission that Christ called us to do. So stop trying to make Jesus cool. Stop trying to worry about if this is the popular thing to do or not because trust me, in today's world, it's not. You will be hated. It comes with the territory of following, choosing to follow Christ. But... But the rest of verse 22, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. So where is that end? Right? Where, like, how far does this persecution go? When will it be over? You know, I've, I have taken such a beating from my family and my friends and my coworkers and strangers on the internet and my government. Like, when will this end? Let's, let's wrap it up by reading verse 23. 
When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So when will this hate for those who are in Christ end? Is there an end to persecution? I mean, the short answer to that is no. It won't end. And there's no running away from it either. He says, when they persecute you and hate you in one town, just flee to the next and the next and the next. Now, does this mean we run from persecution? No. It doesn't mean that we, this doesn't mean that we just give up and stop trying and try to go to a place that's way more comfortable where no one's going to question our beliefs. No one's going to talk to us about that where we could just be comfortable. Did this mean for his disciples back then that he was saying, hey, when things get hard, run away? No. For them and for us, as we are sent out by Jesus into the mission field, which is every single day, Christian, And when we hit that wall of hate and persecution, we are called to continue on, to keep going, to go to the next town, to go to the next job, to go to the next family member, whatever it is, to continue our mission and sharing the good news of the gospel. Listen, that last verse, the emphasis is not on fleeing persecution, but the continuance of the mission and sharing the love of Christ to the world. So as I, as I wrap up here, I just want to ask you some questions. Are you ready, church? Are you ready for the fight? Because if you're not in it now, if it's not on your doorstep right now, it will be. As we prepare for the wolves, are you ready to respond by being both hungry and humble like snakes and doves? And are you ready to let the spirit of the living God speak for you to those who oppose you? Are you ready for this fight all the way to the end? Is it worth being hated? Jesus says this in John 15, 18. If the world hates you, know it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So church, I hope that we can go today in confidence, knowing that we have a savior who was hated first, but who will be in our corner to back us up when we run this race, this race set out in front of us. Will you pray with me? God, we just thank you so much for the promise, honestly, the promise of persecution. Jesus promise of that of that hate and that hurt that is coming our way because we have chosen to follow you God and I know that is hard it's hard for us when we're in those moments but God just like that is a promise you promise that you are with us through those times Jesus I pray that if we are in Christ and we are hearing this right now that we remember remember every single day that we are filled with your spirit And God, remember that your spirit will give us the right words to say in those situations. God, I pray that we do not forget that we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Jesus, I just pray that as we we, every single day, as we're putting on the full armor of God, as we wake up in the morning, as we go out into this world of wolves, God, I just pray for what our response should be to those situations, God, that we, that we respond in ways of, 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 
saying the right things, of, of saying wise things, God, being wise, being careful, being calculated, but also just being loving and gentle and kind and not responding hate with hate. God, I just pray that um, as we go throughout um, our week, as we leave here today, that we just, we just remember who's in our corner, God, who is there with us as we are ready to fight, God. Jesus, we just thank you so much for this time, and we pray these things in your name. Amen.